Bet365 sponsors Why Always Us, and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sports. Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with the Bet365 Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. So, no action for City this weekend has given us a little bit of a sneak preview on how the rest of the Premier League is shaping up. The problems that Pep Guardiola's side had last season have been well documented and now's the time to put a correction plan into action. So how does he go about getting the title back from Anfield? You're listening to Why Always Us, the Athletics Manchester City podcast. I'm David Mooney. With me this week is Jack Pitbrook. Hi Jack, how you doing? Hi Dave, yeah, good thanks. How are you? I'm not too bad, thanks. I'm looking forward to the uh, to the new season being back. It feels, it, it feels like, I mean, it's it's been obviously... The end of last season is only ten minutes ago, but it's it's felt because City have had this extra week that I've been missing out already. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So, uh, so let's let's crack on and, uh, and have a look uh, ahead at the new season. Right now, we're offering listeners a special chance to subscribe to the Athletic as well. Uh, you can access all of the great writing on Manchester City and so much more for just one pound a month. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod to sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod and pay only one pound a month. Um, Jack, I said in the introduction there that uh, that City's problems were well documented last season. So I, I want to talk today about um, how Guardiola goes about changing that for, for next season because because the two seasons are so close to each other. It, it, there's there's the worry that it could just be a continuation from what happened last time. Like There's been no time to iron out the problems, if you know what I mean. Yeah, completely. And while you know, I think Aki and Torres are good buys, I... I'm not confident that those two players alone will make up the gap between what City did last year and what they would hope to do again this year. The City faced last year are far more, are far bigger than can just be solved with two, I mean, frankly, two squad players. Um, I think there's a lot to do with mentality and energy and how much the players are still responding to Guardiola in what is now going to be his fifth season at the club. So I think it's, I'm not saying City will definitely not be good this year because I just don't know. But also, I think that, you know, you'd have to be incredibly optimistic to, to think that Aki and Torres alone are going to be able to bridge that gap. Yeah, I mean, there's still been no movement on the on the transfer of Koulibaly as well. And this this one feels like it's been going on for about 100 years now, because it, like, it feels like the clubs are just are, are like 5 million euros away from agreeing a, a, a fee all the time. And you're just thinking, why, like, why haven't they just got it over the line knowing how close this season is? Yeah, completely. And it's really obvious. I mean, look, it's, it's incredibly obvious to anyone that they need a dominant right-footed centre-back. Like, this has been this has been one of the big problems they've had in the last few years. And obviously, Laporte, you know, it's, going, it's, a, it's more than a year now since Company left and wasn't replaced. And it was very obvious last season that the failure to replace Company cost City a lot of games. And, you know, Koulibaly isn't, a, isn't exactly the same as Company in various ways, but signing Koulibaly would effectively give City that dominant right-sided partner for Laporte. Um, and he's also really, really good. Like, he's been fantastic for Napoli for the last few years. Um, 
he's a he's a great player. I think he would improve City a lot. And so if City are really serious about trying to make up that gap to Liverpool, then I think they'd have to buy they would have to go and do a deal for Kula Valley. And frankly, given given what happened with the FFP case, I don't really I I'd be surprised if money was going to be too much of a problem. <laughs> um I'm I'm interested in the idea though that um that, that Kula Valley isn't necessarily the answer because I mean you said earlier on that uh, that Ake and Torres are, are good players, but not necessarily the ones that will solve the problems. If City go into the season with you know, a, a, a defensive setup that includes Nathan Ake, you know, Aymeric Laporte, as you said, Otamendi Stones, and potentially Garcia having not moved to Barcelona. Like, is, is it not on Guardiola to be able to get the best out of those defenders to be able to, to, to play the way he wants to play? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it is, it is Pep's job to get the best out of those players, but I think, I think there's just too many. I, I don't think that group is a. I don't think that group is good enough. Ultimately, like I think the you know Garcia is nineteen and wants to leave. Clearly, Stones and Otamendi. I'm surprised they're still at the club. Um, I think it was absolutely damning that in the the Leon game where City got knocked out of the Champions League, City played a back three including a nineteen year old who wants to leave and a thirty five year old midfielder in Fernandinho, and didn't have Otamendi and Stones. Like they were both left on the bench and didn't come on. And I just think that that says so much about the standing of Otamendi and Stones at the club. And clearly, you know, Ot- Ot- Stones has been in and out of the team for two or three years now. Otamendi as well. Like, it's, I don't really know why they're still there. I think that they should probably go for the sake of their own careers, to be honest. Um, I think with Otamendi, you know, he's 32. So maybe, maybe he's coming to the point where he can accept... Um, not necessarily being first choice, but I think the fact that Stones is 26 clearly isn't at the top end of the pecking order and yet is still at the club suggests that he's, I, I hate to say it, but it looks like he might be wasting the best years of his career. Um, so it's, you know, I, I just don't think the, I just don't really think the ability's there. I don't think, I think, I don't think City have the centre backs they really need to compete. You know, compare, we've got, City have got one world class centre back, whereas Liverpool have got, Van Dijk and Gomez. I think Gomez is terrific. I think, you know, ultimately City need, City do still need another person, even though I do accept that it's Guardiola's job to get these guys to play better. I think Guardiola ultimately needs more tools at his disposal. Yeah. I mean, it's how much of this is about the way he plays, though? Because when you you put any defender in a, in a team that is going to play a high line and the pre, I mean, one of the problems last season, weirdly, with the defending was that the pressing at the front wasn't good enough. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. I think that like one defending for City is hard because you have to defend on the halfway line. Uh, you've got players running in behind you, and that's what I think Laporte is so good at because he's so quick and uh, and able to cover. And obviously, if City were to sign another centre back, it would have to be someone who's quick, like Koulibaly. And I know City did go for Maguire, but I think if they got Maguire, he would be incredibly shown up in this system because he, you know, he's so slow on the turn. Sort of a boy um, dodged in that sense. Yeah, maybe. yeah, quite possibly. But you, you are also absolutely correct that City, you know, the way City play means that the defending has to start from the front because if they don't press properly, then they're always going to get hit on the break. And you you can see when, I mean, you know, you've watched City enough times to know that when the pressing doesn't happen and the defence is on the halfway line, it's very easy for the opposition to run in behind, kind of down the sides usually of Otamendi or Stones and, and get in that way. And City have conceded tons of goals in the last few years, or certainly in the last season and then back in the sort of start of the Guardiola era in 2016-17, conceding that exact same goal. So it's not just, it's not just the responsibility of the, of the individual defenders. And I do think that, 
one of the big stories of last season, which I know I think Sam covered a fair bit on The Athletic, is that they just didn't really press the team as much anymore. Like from the front, in the midfield, they were easier to play against. And that meant that that left the defence more exposed. So I completely... And that is like probably the biggest thing that Guardiola has to solve this season is getting City to press better, getting City to like stop the opposition from playing so those balls don't come in, don't get in behind them. That said, I still think they need another centre-back because regardless of the pressing situation, they just need a better individual in there alongside Laporte. I, ju- I just think of, of certainly the start to the Centurion season, seventeen eighteen, and you, you watch the way that Laporte and Stones worked together there. And then I, I, there were spells in the eighteen nineteen season where Laporte and Stones were, were fantastic together. Is that is it not a case of of you know get the team playing properly and actually the like like that partnership could could bear fruit again? Well, the thing about Stones is that like so in the last few seasons he's he's had spells where he's played really well. And then certainly at the back end of both the 17-18 and 18-19 seasons, when it got really serious, Guardiola stopped playing him. Like, he just thought, you know, it's going to get really serious and I'm going to go back to, you know, it was what, in 18-19 it was obviously Laporte, Laporte Company who played the last, who played the run-in so well. And I just don't, th- I just don't really think that Guardiola really rates Stones that much anymore. I think that that's been obvious by how rarely he's selected nowadays. And the fact is it's been three years now where, there have been these question marks over how good Stones is and how much Pep actually rates him. And so I, I just don't really have that much... I mean, look, maybe he'd come back into the team and play quite well for a bit, but I don't really have... I think with a centre-back, you kind of want... You need to know that the, the manager feels like he can rely on them. Like, obviously, he feels like he can rely on Laporte. And I just don't feel like Pep feels like he can rely on Stones. And that's why I think it's kind of weird that he's still here because he's like a 26-year-old centre-back who you would imagine would want to be playing every game for whatever club he was at. And if he's not going to be... If he's only playing like the games where Guardiola feels like he can afford the risk of playing him, that sends like a really bad message out about his career, I think. Yeah, I had a, I had a really weird dream last night. I know, I know I, nobody likes hearing about people's dreams, but I woke up utterly convinced this morning that John Stones had signed for Newcastle on loan. Wow. I don't, I, I don't, know, I, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Yeah, I think I thought he was going to go, and obviously, like he does. I mean, it seems like he doesn't want to go for a start. Like he likes being at City and doesn't mind the fact that he, you know, obviously, I'm sure he would like to play more, but he, he, it doesn't look like he's demanding to leave. And obviously, because he's homegrown as well, it's suited to have him around because you know for the purposes of the Champions League squad, and he will play a lot of games this season. I'm sure of it. But equally, I did. There was part of me that at the, at the uh, I know this was a difficult summer to do any business like this, but and obviously, coronavirus means that. Clubs are just buying and selling less players than they would normally do. So lots of players, and this is true of tons of clubs, lots of players who under normal circumstances would have been sold this summer have just stuck around because there isn't the buyers for them. Um, but that all said, I, there was part of me that thought, why doesn't Stones just go to like Arsenal or Chelsea or Tottenham or like a slightly lesser team where he's going to play more and can like have the career that people thought he would have? Because I can't see how this situation at City can, is really that satisfactory. This podcast is brought to you by Hims. If you haven't heard of them, they're basically your best mates when it comes to those tricky men's health problems. Balding is an awkward topic for men, yet a lot of us start to lose our hair before we hit 40. And the best way to take control of hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some. 
Hims was created to make it easier for guys to seek care, especially guys who avoid seeing their doctor in person for awkward health conversations. Not everyone wants to have personal conversations face-to-face with a stranger in a white coat. So Hims connects you to real doctors online, which could save you hours. It's completely confidential and discreet. You'll get a proper consultation and they'll give you sound advice on what you can do to help your hair before it's too late. It couldn't be easier to book your free consultation. Just go to 4hims.co.uk forward slash athletic. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot co.uk forward slash athletic. I'm going to suggest now, and, and like this could be considered heresy, so hear me out on this one. But I, I'm I'm going to suggest that having no David Silva in the in the team up front because his part of the problem last season was David Silva's legs weren't up to what they used to be. So they were building a system where he didn't have to do as much of the running and the pressing. I'm going to say swap him out for Phil Foden, for uh, Torres, for instance, someone who's a bit more mobile these days. And actually, the defense will be under less pressure than it was last season. Do you agree with me? Yeah, I kind of agree. I do think that I think you're right that Silver's Silver's problem in the last few years has been not really being up to speed off the ball, and that where, what City needs to do this year, amongst a few other things, is to get that intensity back in midfield so they can press when they don't have the ball. And the most important players for that really have got to be Foden, and also I think Bernardo Silva, who again weirdly seemed to fall out of favour in the second half of last season having been absolutely tremendous in the 17-18 and even more 18-19 seasons. It felt like Bernardo was not really... Bernardo kind of faded away a bit, but given that City do need to press more in midfield, and I think really that... You know, I know they can play like Fernandinho, Gundogan, De Bruyne, Rodri, and those guys are terrific on the ball and terrific at what they do. I think there's always going to... There always should be a place for a kind of Foden or Bernardo in there as well, who can really lead that press. Like, Foden is so good off the ball. Like, he's so intense. And Bernardo is as well. And I feel like when a lot, some of City's problems last year would be if they play, I don't know, Gundogan, David Silva, De Bruyne, um, or Gundogan, Rodri, David Silva, or whatever, in those kind of combinations, there's just not really enough energy and teams could play through City's midfield. So, like, making that adjustment and, you know, getting more out of Foden, I think, is going to be integral to how City do this season. One thing I thought they were missing last season, and I, I guess I'm, I wonder if this does come from Fernandinho having dropped into the back four instead of being in midfield. I always felt like like he especially knew when there was... Like, I mean, City got hammered a couple of years ago for the tactical fouls and Guardiola got quite annoyed about the about the, the concept of, of, of City stopping attacks with tactical fouls because every team does it. And that's weirdly the one thing I thought City weren't doing very well last season was breaking up the play and making sure that they weren't counted against. And I, I sort of wonder now we've got there's there's this this group of center backs that we've been talking about we haven't even mentioned fernandinho as an option for next season so far um the long term plan has to obviously be rodri in the in the in the kind of holding role but do you see more of a role for fernandinho back in the midfield next season yeah that's an interesting one i think well i think clearly like rodri is there to like slowly integrate his way into the team and so city can get ready for the absence of fernandinho but, and, you know, Rodri, I think, was really good last season. But I certainly think that there are times when they can do with Fernandinho. Like, Fernandinho is just, he's just so good. Like, he's still, he is still a great player. And frankly, like, I completely agree. When he moves back into defense, I think City, la- lo- City like, 
miss him in midfield. And his again, like the, that sort of cynicism and tactical fouling and stuff. He's so so good at that, and that is one of the best weapons that City have against the counter attack. Because a lot of this comes down to City's vulnerability against the counter attack because of how they play. And Fernandinho is their kind of like secret weapon against the counter attack. He's their like. I don't know. I'm trying to come up with a metaphor and I can't do it. But he, <laughs> he, he's the kind of like he, he having Fernandinho in there is like an extra like mechanism to protect City against the counter. And I think there's not really anybody else there as good as him. So ideally, I would like to see him. There are certainly games where I'd like to see either him and Rodri or maybe even him instead of Rodri, just because City, if City are going to get counter, they need somebody like that in there who can sweep up. But yeah, he does. I mean, long term, he needs to be phased out because, you know, he's not going to be there forever, is he? That's the problem, I guess. Yeah, he's 35. And he's like, the the fact that he's played so many games at City over the last seven years at such a high standard, he's one of the most consistent players I can ever, ever remember at City. Uh, and he's done it all to like, I haven't, I mean, I haven't seen an obvious like drop off in his levels of fitness or intensity or, I mean, he's, I know he's got a few injuries here or there, but he seems to be pretty, pretty resilient despite all that. And that is an amazing testament to his you know, to his own professionalism and athleticism and all the rest of it. But I do, um, yeah, so while I still think he's still very good, obviously, like, you can't rely on a 35-year-old midfielder being there forever. And that's why City do need to find a different approach. But, of course, if you take Fernandinho out of the team, again, City will be more, City will simply be more vulnerable on the break. And even though, like, Rodri is good, I think Rodri's really good on the ball. He's great at that kind of keeping the Keeping possession of short passes and stuff. There have been a, there were a few times at the start of the season, especially where he looked a little bit overwhelmed just by the speed of the Premier League. So it's going to take Rodri. It might be this year that we see a little bit more, um, a bit of a better version Rod- of him. Yeah, yeah. That we see Rodri a little bit more settled when he's got like three or four fast opponents charging at him. Yeah, um, there's there's an interesting dilemma of left back as well because it, it doesn't look like City are going to go into the market to sign a left back uh, this summer because I mean like as you said nobody seems to really be moving. There's been no real talk of, of City looking at a left back. Um, they've obviously got Benjamin Mendy who is you know an enigma whether he's going to be fitter and available or whether he's going to be in, um, having to recover with his knee injury again. Beyond that. They've been, they've really been, you know, putting a sticking plaster on this problem for years and years and years now. Is Nathan Ake a potential answer to that problem, or is he yet another sticking plaster? Well, I think I think a sticking plaster can be an answer. I suppose. I think that I think that if look, if Zinchenko can do it, then Aki can do it. Uh, Aki is obviously like a centre back, but he is left footed and. I think he could. I think he could play that kind of Zinchenko role, like playing out a left back and then you know, going forward a little bit, but also coming inside and playing crosses into the box and uh, dropping back into the middle of midfield. So I think that totally makes sense. I think the problem City have had is that well, there aren't, like, for a start, there just aren't that many good left backs. Like left back is in such a specialised position, and you obviously, like, by virtue of needing a left footer there, you're obviously looking at a much smaller pool of available footballers. And there just aren't that many good left backs out there in the game. And you can see, you, can, you know, Ben Chilwell's a good, a good player. He's not incredible. And Chelsea paid a huge amount of money for him this summer. And that shows, like, the massive premium there is on specialists in this role. And look, City thought they had, three years ago, City thought they bought the best young left back out there when they spent, what, £55 million on Mendy, who had been terrific for Monaco the season before then. But Mendy's obviously had his, had his own problems. He had knee injuries, problems off the pitch. He's not really he's not really put together a strong run of games. He's not really, to be honest, I don't think he's looked as good since his 
after his knee injuries he did before it, where he did in flashes look like a tremendous player. But when you've got a fifty-five million pound left back who's on big money and who you can't sell to anyone else, then it just becomes incredibly difficult, like to do anything because you can't sell your you can't sell the guy you've got, which means you can't buy a new one. And you know that's why you have to try and like try out Zinchenko there or like do a swap deal to bring in Cancelo, who's like okay, but not really. He's never going to be as good as Mendy, like theoretically could be. Um, and then, so of course, City have to look at City have to look at like less satisfactory alternatives. It's, it was slightly strange for me seeing Angelino do so well in the Champions League for Leipzig, given that City, you know, City had had a look at him and obviously couldn't really get in the team earlier in the season. But I, uh, you know, clearly it's an area where City don't have any like very good answers, and it might well be that Aki is just like the least bad option for this season. Yeah, have City ever? Have City ever had a, a, a great left back? Michael Tarnat. Uh, <laughs> I can't really think. Javier Garrido. No, like in the last few... Like, no, Kolarov was good. I thought Kolarov was better than Clichy. Uh, I know Kolarov was like... Kolarov like annoyed a lot of people because he was a bit... Yeah, he annoyed me a lot, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he, like he lost the ball a lot. He hit lots of shots into the stands and he wasn't great defensively. And he would sometimes be absolute rubbish. But he was quite good going forward and he was like another he was like another thing for opponents to, to think about. Whereas Clichy Clichy seemed like a really nice guy and everyone I know who knows Clichy loves him. But I felt like it was I don't know, I, I was just never really sold on him as a city player. Like he, he you know, he was pretty good at Arsenal, and then he left Arsenal and then but then he was always like he was never City's best player. He was always rotating with Kolarov at best. Uh, I think he he was when he was at his best at Arsenal. He was all about speed, and then I never thought he looked that quick for City. Yeah. And also, it's not like he was even though Kolarov was better going forward than Clichy. I didn't actually feel like Clichy was sufficiently good defensively to make up for that. Like I didn't think like Clichy gave made mistakes, gave away penalties, would slip up at times, and so I always felt like I felt like at least with Kolarov there was more a higher chance of something funny happening or something exciting <laughs> happening. You, so you came was, up with you came up with my all time favorite line to describe Kolarov, you know, uh, which was uh, along the lines of there used to be a banner that hung at the Etihad that said um, uh, we we uh, we dream of playing in the shirt today. God chose you play like we dream, and Kolarov used to play like we dream like we dreamt all the time by hitting shots at every possible opportunity. <laughs> Yeah, he was having great. He was having great. He was having a great time. Um, but beyond, even then, like behind Kolarov, who you'd say is like, you know, was a pretty good player for City, but you know they're not going to name a stand after him. Uh, who else was there? Like, I can't think of many other good left backs even the last thirty years since I've been. Honestly, I'm, str- I'm struggling. I, 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 I'm, I'm worried that you have to go all the way back to Willie Donachie to get a decent left back in this City team. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. It's uh, it's 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 an odd one. Garrido, yeah. Tarnat, Ball, uh, Michael what's, Ball. What's Michael Fronzek up to these days? Can he do yeah, a job? Still? I wonder. <laughs> um, Silvino, uh, Wayne Bridge. Uh, Christ, uh, it's not great, is it? It's not. A, it's not uh, a great roll call. So you'd think, you think somewhere along the line, City could pull out a decent left back somewhere. Let's uh, let, let's hope that yeah. uh, that Ake could be the one that uh, that breaks the mold in that sense. Um, yeah. Let's have a look at, at City going forward as well, because it, it was a. It, I've talked with Sam a lot about this, about how it was a weird season in that City were the top scorers but didn't score enough goals. The truth is, they missed just far too many good chances last season. So, what can Guardiola do to change that in in the season that comes? It's a good question. I've got no idea. I just don't know how, like on a coaching level, you can. I don't know. Like get the players to do more shots in training. Uh, 
I think I don't know. I've I've really I'm really got got no idea how you can solve a thing like that because it's not like short of just like getting the players to do lots of finishing and training, which I'm sure if that was the answer, I'm sure Guardiola would have would have figured it out by now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I wonder how much of it is just to do with individuals. It's because you know the fact is that Aguero converts a higher percentage of his chances than Jesus does. Like we've always known that. That's and whereas if he wants to play Jesus more and more for like tactical reasons or because Aguero's injured or because Aguero's thirty-two and this might be his last season or his penultimate season at the club, then maybe you know obviously you're going to score fewer goals or you're going to convert fewer of your chances with Jesus up front rather than rather than Sergio. But it's uh, it's obviously like nagged at City a bit this year and even the Leon game like you know which was one of the biggest disasters of the Guardiola era if we're honest the Leon game like I did think watching it well. If Aguero had been on the pitch, I think City might have won or at least scored again because they were getting quite a lot of chances, like in and around, or they were getting good positions in and around the Leon box where they like cut it back, and Jesus just wasn't making those runs that Aguero makes. So I wonder whether if Aguero had been there, he might have like scored one of those goals out of nowhere that he does in big games. Whereas- yeah, I mean, it's 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 not even just that though. I mean, the, the part of the problem you look at. at um, if the answer is you need to create better chances, well, I mean, some of the chances they're missing are like you can't create much more of a better chance than an open goal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that that's certainly true. And that Sterling one against Leon, I think, will live long in the memory. And I don't, you know, Sterling's scored what thirty-one goals, I think, last season in all competitions. So didn't have a bad season in front of goal by any measure, but clearly it's something that City have, have struggled a bit with. And it's just it's just one of those things, a little bit like the pressing thing or the defensive thing, where it just looks like City, for whatever reason, I imagine it's probably psychological more than anything else, just seems to take a bit of their foot, the foot off the gas last year. Didn't have the same like intensity and the same mentality and energy and ruthlessness that they had in the two years where they won the league. And I think the big like the big question for City, this is more than anything that's like, more than anything tackle or even transfers or personnel or whatever, is can they get that like energy and ruthlessness and mentality back? Because if they get it back, they can win the league. But they don't get it, don't get it back, they're not going to win anything. Yeah, and- I, I, I wonder how much of that, though, was down to the fact that that we talked that lockdown might, and the, the break that, that the coronavirus kind of enforced might have been a nice little reset for City. And when they came back, they could kind of put all the problems to the, to the back of the mind and just kind of go again. But actually, when they came back, they were, what, still 18, 19 points behind Liverpool. It wasn't a, a kind of like a hard reset, whereas now it is. They, 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 it's a brand new season. They've got the opportunity to chase Liverpool. They've got to chase Liverpool again because they've already played a game. But they've got the opportunity to chase Liverpool with a blank slate. Yeah, yeah, they do. And looking back at that lockdown period, I was thinking about this earlier. It's like, you know, you you can read it whichever way you want. Like, if you want to be optimistic, you could say, well, after lockdown, City battered Liverpool they beat Real Madrid at home, and if they if City play this season like they did in the Liverpool and Real Madrid games, then I think they win the league. The flip side, they got completely tactically done by both Arsenal in the FA Cup semi-final, and then by Lyon in the Champions League quarter-final. And like, City have got far better players than Arsenal and Lyon. So, and if City play like that this year, with the same kind of level of like insipidness and slowness and sloppiness and all the rest of it, the City can have a really bad season and like they're not going to be any better than they were last year. So I just don't know how to call it. Like I think I'm sure City will be more competitive with Liverpool. I think the overall points tally to win the league will be lower. Like after three years of what, 100 points, 98 points and Liverpool got what, 97-ish, 99 this year? I think yeah. 99. So after three years of like unprecedentedly high champion, like 
champion points totals. I think this year there'll be a big drop because of the calendar and everything, everything that's happened, and Liverpool won't be as good and all the rest of it. So I think in that sense, it'll be an easier league to win. But whether or not City will be as good as Liverpool or worse or better, I just don't know. I think they'll be better than they were last year, but I'd be I'd be lying if I said I had like a confident prediction about how City will fare over the course of the season. Yeah, I got asked recently. Um, we, we did a, a I did a shared Liverpool podcast as well, and I got asked um, whether I thought City would win uh, win the league ahead of Liverpool. And my answer was was I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but I feel like they've got more problem they've got many more problems to sort out than Liverpool have. So that's that's where that's why I'm struggling with whether they will or not. Wouldn't it be great if every clothing store you shopped at had only your size, the styles you like, and everything at the price that you want? Well, Stitch Fix is a company focused on doing just that. It's an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes you love simple. It's a completely different way to shop, and it's all about you. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk always to set up your profile, and they'll deliver great looks personalised just for you. You'll pay a £10 styling fee for each fix, which is credited towards anything you keep, Schedule at any time with no subscription. Delivery and returns are completely free and easy, so you can always send items back that aren't right for you. Get started with Stitch Fix today by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash always right now and make sure you use the show name Why Always Us to support our podcast. Does the arrival of Ferran Torres change anything in the way that City will attack this season, do you think? Uh, I don't know, really. I don't know. I think he... It's good to have like an extra option in the front three. I think that there were times last season where, I think, I think, I think. Look, we another thing we should mention when we're looking back at last season is how sad it is they've had to sell Leroy Sane. Like Sane was an amazing player for City, and I know he obviously fell out with Guardiola and he fell out with the club, but he's like a once in a generation talent. And when you sell someone like that, you're not going to replace him with anyone as good. And just because City sold Sane on the cheap doesn't mean that. Like we should, you know, we should be conscious of the fact that he is ultimately like a hundred, hundred plus million pound player, even though City didn't get that much money for him. Circumstances uh, more than anything, though. Yeah, wasn't it? That's yeah, the thing. yeah, totally. So City, you know, and obviously without Sane, City's front line options are much less good this year. And the fact is that you know last year they ended up with Foden a lot of the time in that front line, or uh, I think Mares is still not really convinced. Bernardo, I think, has convinced a lot, but for whatever reason, isn't hasn't been in the team so much in the last six months. Um, so I, I definitely feel like City need another option. They need another body. Um, I can't say I know like a huge amount on Ferran Torres. Uh, I'm sure he is very good. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how quickly he can get up to speed. But just I think, generally speaking, like City, City do need more variety in that front line. But they're not going to be as good as back when they had Sané because Torres isn't going to be as good as Sané. Yeah, they, I mean the, the one the one attacking lineup that I always think of for City when 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 it's name your best City attacking lineup from the last few years it's always been Sane on the left, Sterling on the right, and Aguero through the middle. And like I, I just don't feel like City City have got great options around that, but it always feels like they've been chasing that quality since. Do you know what I mean? Completely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Sane was unstoppable. Like he was he was so good, and opponents couldn't really didn't really know what to do with him because he was just so quick and his control was good and he was so balance and everything he's just an incredible player and you know it's obviously it's a shame that he doesn't play for City anymore and City are going to have to be you know super imaginative to come up with a way this year to make sure that that the team doesn't suffer as much because of that Uh, and I think a lot of that hinges on Getting more out of Bernardo Mares and then a different, maybe a different role for Foden this year. Well, let's let's come on to Foden because uh, England discretions aside, uh, this has got to be his season, hasn't it? 
Yeah, 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 completely. And he, look, he he had a lot of really good games. I think he started half of City's game after lockdown. I was thinking it was something like seven out of a possible 14. So he's more involved than he has been ever before. And I think City are going to need a lot from him this year because it is, you know, it's a team that's getting on a bit. It's a team that was put together sort of three or four years ago in the main. Uh, they definitely need more energy in midfield. We've talked about that. They need to be able to press better. Uh, we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. Um, and Foden can do all that. Like, he's clearly Guardiola really likes him in those like attack attacking positions. So I did a, before the infamous night in Reykjavik, I did a uh, England press conference with Foden a week or two, about two, yeah, maybe two or three weeks ago. And Foden was talking about you know, what his best role was and how even though Guardiola's used him out on the right or as a 10 or, an, or even a false nine, he likes playing in central midfield. I don't know how much he'll actually play in central midfield this year because I think City do have other options there. But I would love. I think he has to play more than he has been. I think he, you know, he's what twenty years old now, so I think he's probably ready for it. And the city, he can give City that boost of of energy and dynamism, which is what they've really, really lacked because they can't, you know, they can't be walking through games in midfield again this season because if they do, they're going to get shown up. Yeah, was he was he a lot more relaxed uh, in in that press conference? Because I, I I always feel like he's like he's a very very wary about what he says in in interviews. Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually thought he was relaxed. I thought it took him a few... It's always a bit weird because it was like a Zoom press conference. So this was before the players flew out to... This was a few days before the flu, players flew out to Iceland, so about two weeks ago. And um, at the start of the press conference, he was a little... I think he was a little bit wary with his first answers. But then he warmed up and he talked about... talked really well about David Silva and how much of an inspiration he's been to him and that ability, to, that his the vision that he's got, and his ability to to play in tight spaces and never lose the ball. He spoke about how, as much as he's you know he's happy to play anywhere, he ideally he wants to be playing in central midfield, but he's learned a lot playing in those different roles. Um, and yeah, so he he did talk really really well. And I did think up until up until Reykjavik, I thought you know this guy's going to be in the England team in the Euros next year. Now I'd, you'd have to say it's unlikely, but there's no reason that should affect his his club season. And I, I think, like everyone who supports City, I'd love to see Foden start, you know, good 30, 40 games this year. Yeah, I think, I'm, I've fingers crossed you will, because I think I, City last season, certainly post-lockdown, looks a lot more uh, dynamic up front with him in the team. And I think that's, as, as we keep coming back to, I think that's part of the thing that City need to be next season. Um, another word on the on the striking front as well, because uh, we touched on Gabriel Jesus not finishing as much as, as Aguero uh, would do in those positions. Does he still have to prove himself or is he is he now at the stage of this is what you get with him, you know, take it or leave it sort of thing? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think he does have to, I think he does have to improve. I think he, you know, he, cause he's been there for three years and I think it's not unfair for people to, it's not unfair to say, to ask whether he's actually improved much as a player in that time. Like I, I don't, I'm not sure if he obviously has improved. I think he can be tremendously useful in certain games against certain types of opponents. We saw that against Real Madrid. Uh, so he can he he has it in himself to be a great player. But if you ask any City fan going into a big game, who would you rather see on the team sheet, Aguero or Jesus? It would still always be Aguero, I think. And you know, Aguero is 32. He's been at the club for nine years. And frankly, I think when City signed Jesus, a lot of people would have said, "Oh, you know, fast if you fast forward to 2020, everyone would expect Jesus and not Aguero to be the first choice by now." So, in that sense, I think Jesus does have to do more. Like he has to. He has to prove that City. He has to prove that City. He has to prove that he can be City's number one striker for the next few years. Once Aguero is out of the out of the picture, he also has to prove that City shouldn't go and sign. I don't know whoever the best young number nine in the world is. Uh, Harland. He has to prove. He has to prove that City shouldn't go and try and sign Harland for 
however much it costs, which I imagine would be, uh, I don't know, substantial. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a, a lot, one hundred twenty plus million or whatever. So yeah, I think he does have he does have more to do. He needs to score more goals. He needs to be he needs he needs City fans to feel that they're like just as happy with him starting as Aguero starting. I think that's I mean that's that's a huge ask though. I don't I don't see how that happens to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, completely. I think the, way, the only way it can happen is if Jesus gets a really good run, scores basically every game he plays, like Aguero does. Uh, starts like starts just make scoring those kind of goals out of nothing, like Aguero does, making those clever little runs and like pulling them, pulling into space in the box and converting basically every chance. But that's such a high bar. Like you're asking Jesus, who is incredible at what he does and a really, really talented player. You're asking him to basically like be as good as the greatest striker in City's history. Like be as good as one of the best number nines in 21st century football. And that's a like that's a really, really high bar he's got to clear. So it's a struggle. But then that is ultimately, you know, I mean, th- this is as much true of company or silver or any great player that City have had. Like replacing great players is really, really difficult. And yeah. it's actually harder for Jesus because no one was in like it's not like company had like someone in direct comp- competition with him in quite the same way whereas jesus has been in a very kind of clear competition with aguero for three years and he's tested against that he's tested against aguero basically almost every week every time he goes on the pitch and that is like that that is a huge psychological challenge to him because he has to meet these incredible high standards but then i guess that is just kind of like the nature of playing for a playing for a massive club is that you do have to you do have to you do have to compare yourself and you do have to perform relative to other top players yeah I guess I guess that's that's kind of nail on the head moment really um let's talk for the final part of the show about the rest of the league because uh City having not played uh, this weekend have have had the opportunity to see how the rest of the league have shaping up um given that I think the game of the of the season so far has been uh, Liverpool and, and Leeds uh what's what did you make of, of Liverpool with relation with the idea of, of, of how City will take them on this season? Are, are they there to be got at this season? Well, that was a great game. That was a great game. I watched that in a. I watched that with a mate. A mate who's a big United fan, and we were like, <laughs> it was kind of surreal. We were like screaming in support of Leeds, which is not something <laughs> you would normally, normally expect a United fan to do. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just like one of the best. It's one of the best games I've watched for a very long time. I think. In terms of what it tells us about Liverpool, well, it's kind of hard to tell just because Leeds are so unique, aren't they? Like we haven't seen a team really in the Prem like them before. They, I, we don't have a read on how good Leeds will be. Like, well, all, all I wondered about it was because I, the the way that Leeds played, it kind of reminded me of how City like to play. A bit, yeah. Like they're so they're so intense, and like the way that they all defend as a team, and then they get the ball and they attack, and they they attack really directly. They go straight through the lines, and then every, all of a sudden you've got like five Leeds players in the box, and then they all come back the other way, and then again you've got like they swarm you. And I know we should have seen this coming in the championship, but I think like I think sorry, this is again like another cowardly answer, but I think like how we interpret that Liverpool result and performance against Leeds will ultimately be guided by how Leeds do in the league. Like, Leeds could come 18th. And then if we do that, and people think, oh, Liverpool shipped four, three goals against Leeds. Or they could come fourth. And then people will think, oh, you know, that's a pretty well, well done to Liverpool for getting over the line against Leeds. Like, it's so it's so high variance that it's just really hard to get a read on how well teams should do against Leeds. In terms of how Liverpool performed, well, they weren't great defensively. Like, they were opened up by the intensity of Leeds and and the press and the movement and everything. And that might suggest that Liverpool are like more gettable this year. I do think fundamentally Liverpool are more gettable this year because they've had, you know, 
they've had the psychological they've been up they've been through the psychological roller coaster of winning the Champions League and just missing out in the Premier League and then winning the Premier League and I even though I'm sure you know they've got a great mentality and like teams just don't maintain that mentality forever like that much is that much is evidenced by City last season like there comes a point where teams do take their foot off the gas and also given that Liverpool you know they haven't really I mean, I know this on that quick left back, but they haven't really added, they didn't get Timo Werner, they haven't got Thiago yet. There's, you know, you don't know if they're going to really add any top players to the midfield or the front line. It does make you think, well, how, um, you know, might they go a tiny bit stale? Will they, you know, will they continue to improve? So I think, I think like in theory, Liverpool are gettable this year. I just, the big question in my mind is whether City is sufficiently good to make up that gap. That's that's the key. I mean, uh, the, you look at, uh, at the, that Liverpool result on uh, on Saturday as well, and you, you kind of go, well, it depends entirely on which end of the telescope you're looking from. From a City point of view, you can quite easily make that argument of Leeds are newly promoted, and look at the problems they cause Liverpool. That's that's that doesn't bode well for the rest of the season. And flip flip that over. I'm sure City, uh, Liverpool fans will, will come away from that game saying, well, you know what, we still found a way to win, and that's what wins titles. So it's 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 a really hard one to judge on that front. Wolves obviously as well beat City home and away last season. That's City's opening game uh, on Monday night next week. Uh, it's it's almost the perfect game to see if last season's issues are resolved. Is it in that in that sense? In that it will it will not be an easy game. No, it'll be a really hard game. Wolves are a really good team. Um, I think it might be you know it might well be it's a good time to play Wolves because they've just had the most exhausting season last year. I'm sure all their players are, are tired. I mean, frankly, Matt Doherty looked exhausted playing for Spurs against uh, Everton on Sunday afternoon. So I don't know how well Wolves will do. And of course, they've had the psychological blow of, miss, of losing right at the end in that, in that Europa League game. So I wouldn't be... I don't really know how Wolves are going to do this year, but I think they might come into this season a little bit leggy. Uh, and of course, they've signed half the Porto team and we don't really know how those guys are really going to fit in. Um, and it might take them a while to get up to speed. Although one thing that uh, Nuno Espirito Santo has been really good at has been integrating new signings into his system and into English football. Um, so it'll be tough, but I think it's probably not the worst time for City to play them. And I think if, if City wants to want to make good on the mistakes of last year, then now would be a good time to do it. But then I just think like the way that Wolves play, they are quite effective against a team like City. Like they do, they're really aggressive, they're quick, they're strong, they get in behind. And the prospects of someone like Traore running into the huge space behind, whether it's Garcia or Fernandinho or Tamendi or Stones or whoever, should make City fans like <laughs> worry worry a little bit about how it's going to turn out. That I mean, that was the game at the Etihad uh, last season. Uh, Traore just on the break, and I think it was Otamendi. Just I think he it was diving in time and time and time again, and it just caused all sorts of problems. It was I think if you if you look at City's record against Wolves uh, under uh, Nuno Espirito Santo, it's. Uh, Okay, they won in the League Cup, but it was on penalties. So if we count that as a draw at, at ninety minutes, you know they've uh, they've won one, drawn two, lost two. I think it is. It's not. I mean, it's not ideal. Yeah, and that game at Molyneux was it last Christmas? I'm just going to try and look it up on my yeah last Christmas. Uh, Edison sent off um, in the first kind of ten fifteen minutes or so. Sterling missed two penalties, but scored the rebound of the second one. Um, oh yeah, retaken on VAR. It was, it was a bonkers game. That was a great game. That was a really, really... I mean, obviously, like... Yeah, I've got it up here. So City were 2-1 up with 10 minutes left and then lost 3-2. Uh, that was a really, really exciting game and dramatic game. But uh, I think, you know, they will have to... I wonder... 
City will have to be a little bit more solid. I do worry, you know, for the reason we said earlier, it'll be a good test of whether like City's defensive work and pressing can actually be a little bit more coherent and cohesive this year than it was last year. Does your gut instinct say that Koulibaly will be in the squad for this one? Uh, I would be surprised just because it feels like one of those transfers like this, like if they take this much time, they're going to take, they're going to be deadline day, I think, just because it's to, if it's a game of poker between the two, or a game of chicken rather, between the two clubs on the feed, and there's no reason that one of any of them would buckle that soon. So I wouldn't be surprised if it drags and drags and drags. So it could be. It's, it's we're likely to be going into this game with what City have got now. That's you know that's what they have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. The, I guess the interesting one would be whether or not he plays Aki and Laporte together, because I don't know whether I don't know whether he would do that because they're both left-footed. But if not, if he doesn't do that, whether it's going to be I don't know what combination he'd play at centre-back because there's so many different ways he could do it. But uh, I think whatever he does will give us a bit of an indication as to what Guardiola's thinking is for the season. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be interesting one to see. Uh, Jack, before we let you go, um, uh, let's have a, a quick prediction. Do you think City will, will get the title back for this season? Well, I've already said yes in separate athletic predictions requests. So I feel like I can't really change. So I will say <laughs> yes, but I just, just in case I get it catastrophically wrong, I just want I just want listeners to know that I am very much on the fence about this and I really can't call it one way or the other. Or the other. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, City definitely winning the title, according to Jack Pitbrook. Uh, Jack, uh, thanks for uh, for putting your neck on the line like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the risk you've got to take to be a journalist. <laughs> uh, and that's it for this week's Why Always Us. You've been listening to uh, Jack Pitbrook. Brooke. Thanks a lot, mate. And to me, David Mooney. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic for just £1 right now by using the code MANCITYPOD. Mm-hmm.